Hello, this is The Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. This is a show about inspiring stories of food, people, and creative social justice. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM in New Haven, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Today, our guest is my friend and colleague, Serena Spruill. She's a talented vegetarian and vegan cook with a passion for healthy eating and great food. She's a peer support specialist at the Connecticut Mental Health Center, where she leads a variety of group workshops, including cooking education. Serena has also worked with City Seed and Global Local Gourmet through the Master Cooks program and is a soon-to-be graduate of the Natural Gourmet Culinary Institute in New York City. Serena is also a New Haven native and a great-grandmother. Serena, I'm so happy to have you here for the first show of The Table Underground. Welcome. So glad to be here. Great. So you mentioned to me that something very special happened to you in 1980 on New Year's Eve, something transformative. Can you tell me a little about that? Yeah, yeah. That's when I um, I took the, oh my gosh, I'm surprised that you remember that. Um, it was a New Year's resolution. Yes. And I... Um, decided, you know, that I wanted to become um, a vegetarian on that day. What inspired you to make that decision? Well, oh my gosh, there was, there was like a movement, um, a, a culture, a small culture of people in the city of New Haven um, that were health oriented. And um, that was, they were the people, those were the same people that started um, the um, Edge of the Woods store. Mm -hmm. um, I was walking by one day and I said, what is this? And they explained to me what it was. And, um, I, and I was curious, but see, I was back then I was married and, um, we were poor, didn't have a lot of money for food. So I couldn't branch out and buy some of the things and experiment making foods back then because, you know, I had a meat and potatoes husband and there was no way that we were going to be able to try anything new and different. So, you know, I just let it go and stuff. But, um, from that point on, you know, um, I just wouldn't eat the meat. I would still cook the regular cultural foods for mm -hmm. my family, um, but I, I just wouldn't eat the meat. And, mm -hmm. But I always wanted to learn how to make the healthy foods. I wanted to, I, I really, really wanted to learn how to do it um, and stuff. So, you know. Was that after, the inspiration for you was, was the health component of it? Yes, yes. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't realize it, but I've always been interested in nutrition on one, you know, one level or another. And, and I think everything kind of, you know, came to pass when I, as being a new mother, I really, really got into, you know, just cooking for my family mm. and, and, and I, and I wanted to make things that they loved and stuff. And, and basically all they loved was a few things, the, the true cultural, um, um, like what kinds foods, of things, you know, collard greens. Yeah. I remember when I first got married, right. I was so proud of myself. So very, very proud of myself because I was finally able to make the grits right, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, you don't want them too soupy. You don't want them. You better not have right. them too thick. You know, you want them nice and soft. You don't want them crunchy. You know, you don't want, you don't want the lumps, you know, mm -hmm. that's, oh, don't give anybody any grits with lumps. So I had to, you know, learn all that. And um, I felt really good when I learned yeah. how to do that. Yeah. It's a special thing to cook for your family. It yeah. Really, yeah. It gives back to you so deeply. So I've heard you talk a little bit about your journey in food. So you had this moment where you decided you wanted to start cooking healthier. And then what was your journey from there? What happened? Well, um, that's when hmm, I was uh, I was walking down Legion Avenue one day and I was nine months pregnant with my fourth child out of five. And I looked out, looked through this fence and I saw these people. They were just. I was wondering what they were doing. I didn't know what they were doing over there. And, and, and it was just nothing, just a fence. And inside the fence was dirt. And there were people there that, that were doing something in the dirt. I didn't know what it was. So um, as I was walking by and I was looking and I, and so one of the ladies that were in there in the fence came up to me at the fence and asked, said, hi, you know, um, are you, um, um, I said, well, what are you guys doing? And, and, you know, she explained to me that this is a community garden. Um, you work in this garden for two months, for, for twice a week. And at the end of the week, you would bring home a bag full of groceries, um, vegetables. And I was like, wow, really? That sounds like, that sounds great. And then I was like, hmm, 
okay so i, I walked she said <laughs> well, we'll we'll be here she told me when they would they be out there so i said okay i'll come back and stuff then i did i did I, I i came back you know and um she explained to me you know um she took me around and was telling me showing me what was going on and these, right. all the different little parts of it and um and i was like and then she said you know she said this year she said we're just starting out it's really the everything's really small but each year it'll get better it'll get better stuff so that was i was intrigued i was hooked yeah. i mean and stuff so you know that that um was the very first i found out later this is the very first community garden in the city of new haven it was called the inner city co-op farm mm. and i was and i was actually i you know that was its first year so um we moved the moved it down a little further down towards um uh legion avenue and orchard street yeah. And and that was where it stayed until it ended um, when we were kind of like booted off the off the land. But um, so then, you know, we went there. We I um, we, we did a lot of things. We got our manure from Yale Stables. We got our leaves from Evergreen Cemetery. Um, and, you know, we went to this. We made took trips to the um, Lighthouse Park um, and we got we we got um, seaweed and we put that out there, too, on the plants. Um, and it was just a wonderful thing. You know, we were going around doing all that. And then we were saying, this is so nice. We need to duplicate it. There's so many, we need to do some more, you know, um, of this in other parts of the city. So we went to me and Sylvia Dorsey, mostly with Sylvia Dorsey because she knew what she was doing and stuff. Um, she grew up in Minnesota and and she she knew how to farm and how to do all that. Yeah. yeah, And and stuff. But she was the one who we just kind of latched on to each other and we did so many things together. So she went down to um, City Hall and um, checked on um, all the, the land um, of all the different vacant lots that were around and stuff like that. And um, so we, we went around and we had to contact um, the owners and, and, you know, see who would be um, um, agreeable to us using that spot for a community garden. Right. And um, so we did all that stuff and um, um, actually set up the first farmer's market in front of the Dixville Community Q House. Um, and stuff and we were growing that we that year what Sylvia, year was this oh my gosh I don't remember the year um, but it was at least um, 20 years ago and um, we 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 went to um, this guy who named Neil um, his last name was young he lives out in Meriden and he had um, an apple orchard and so we made a deal with oh, him. Wayne, Wayne Young. Young. Wayne yeah. Young from Wayne High Young. Hill there Orchard. There yep. it is. There oh, it is. he's amazing. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. And and so we so we we did had a deal with him for that year. Um, we would help him with his crops. He let us grow some things um, on his land. So we did. Um, we did that with him for that year. So you know, three of us: me, him, and uh, me, me, Sylvia, Dorsey, and and um, John Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. He's another guy who. And used how to did work. your how did your family? like this like did the kids come work on the farm did they like the food that you brought home yeah they loved the food yeah because i mean i was getting everything fresh you yeah. know it was really especially the fruits and yeah and then you know like and the first year when when sylvia and i were doing all those those satellite gardens we had produce from everywhere mm-hmm. um you know that was like before the food banks really came into play so we right. tried to you know hand it out as, on our own as much as we could and stuff um we we did a few um preservation um food preservation um workshops yeah Mm -hmm. sessions and stuff and i love that gas company new haven gas company on church street now you know they would never ever ever open up their door for no for anything like that but they Mm -hmm. did they let us use their kitchen and we and we um we we did um um, peers and tomatoes and um, it was really that's great so when you were taking food from the community gardens and selling it at the farmer's market at the q house yeah 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 Great. So at what point did you start getting more into the cooking? Where did the gardens really help you start doing more vegetarian cooking and kind of how did I, your I, passion I really, evolve? I really did I I would just only I only knew how to make two, you know, like two things for I didn't really know how to make a lot of different variety. I and, and I didn't I didn't know how to be creative with it, you know. Um I I just would make it it would be good, but it would just be the same way every time. You know, mm-hmm. there's no, there was nothing. It was boring to me. It was, you know, so, so now, you know, I, I feel like I have enough in me that I can put something together and it'll come out. Okay. So yeah, I have a little more confidence now, I guess, than I had before. Mm-hmm. And when you were working in the gardens, kind of, how did that, you said you were a 
pregnant with your fourth child when you yeah. started doing it. How did that experience of working in the gardens and building community impact how you felt about yourself? Well, I mean, it all. I I I felt good about um, myself, my my food choices, and um, and I felt really good about that just that physical physical exertion that that I was doing. I mean, I got I was fit back. Oh my <laughs> gosh! I mean, I'm I mean, I was never skinny, mind you, but. Um, you know, my, but I really toned, yeah, Mm -hmm. I was really toned in stuff because I mean, you, you, if you shovel a few truckloads full of manure, you're going to, you're going to tighten up, (laughs) you know? Yep. Yeah. That's great. So, um, a little bit jump into the closer to the present. So you now are a peer educator at CMHC and which is the Connecticut mental health center. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience being there, I know you started out there as a client. Yes. And then you moved into being a peer educator. So yeah. tell me a little bit about yeah. that. They they call me a peer support specialist. And basically I um, run groups. I co-facilitate groups. I attend uh, various meetings throughout the building. So, you know, because we want to have the peers in all parts of the, of the, um, of the organization. Um, and I also worked in cafeteria um, too. Um, um, the CEO at one point, you know, said he didn't want to cause any more harm. The, the people that have mental illness are dying 25 years younger than other parts of the mm-hmm. population. And so he did away with all of the, the unhealthy foods in the kitchen. And um, so they just revamped it. Um, and the person that they had come through there to help them with that was a lady named um, Mary Dale. Mary Dale DeBoer. Yes, yes, yes mm-hmm. she did it. And, um, and also Chef, um, Chef Ann Gallagher. Yeah. Um, came through to help us at that at that time in um, at, at CMHC, and um, so I was part of the um, the staff that helped um, make the food and stuff for um, for the cafeteria. Um, right, and their focus they had done this at New Milford Hospital, and then they were doing it at CMHC, and yes. the focus was on getting rid of processed food, starting to have freshly cooked, he- yes, uh, locally sourced like food from farms and really healthy food. And yes. I think it's really exciting that CMHC did that because as yes. you said, um, people with mental health are dying so much younger than other people. So yes. the nutrition and the physical health part is just as important as the mental health component. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. so that's, you know, that's, that's continuing now, you know, um, uh, there's, you know, there's always room for improvement, but um, I would say things are going pretty well at CMHC. And I, and so out of this, this whole um, healthy food movement thing, um, we, we wanted to start a group, um, teaching some of the clients how to cook healthy foods and what they taste like, because a lot of people have no idea that f- healthy food can be good until it tasty and delicious. They think it's all nasty cardboard, whatever, but <laughs> it's not, it's more, it's so much more than that. And, um, so we have a group, um, where the, the, the clients come in, um, at together we, we, um, do a meal. And then um, after the meal is done, you know, we, we sit around and we talk about it. Um, we eat it. We taste it. We eat it. And, you know, and it's really a good thing um, because a lot of them don't know how to cook or they've never they never even wanted to or whatever. But and or they had these pre pre um, um, ideas about how healthy food is supposed to taste. So they get, this is like give, empowering them to take charge of their lives and and eat healthier. Right. You know? So though, so whatever meal that we make at the end of it, everybody gets a bag with with all the ingredients in it that w- whatever it was that we just made that day, and they take that and they home take it them. home. There's mm-hmm. no excuse for them not to try it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're gonna give you the stuff that you can use, yeah, you're gonna try it again. You know, just try to remember. Oh yeah, we did this. Oh, we did that. Oh oh oh. You know, and then they you know they come back to us and they tell us that they tried it and it was good. Yeah. So that's what we want. So do you help decide what recipes you're going to cook for this class? And are you using this particular book you have in front of you here, Good and Cheap? Yeah. By eat, Leanne Brown. Eat Well on $4 a Day, Good mm-hmm. and Cheap by Leanne Brown. Um, yeah, this is, the, this is like our Bible right now. Um, we are going to be using more, more books, but this is our, uh, the first book that we're focusing on um, for use for, um, with the clients. And this is a great book because it's actually a free cookbook. So anybody can get, you have a printed copy in front yes. of you here, but people can get this online if they just look up Eat Well on $4 a Day, Good and Cheap. And it's a free PDF that people can And And download. also it's like, I, I've tried, you know, like um, maybe half of them. 
And everything that I tried came out really good. So, yeah. I mean, you, you can't go wrong yeah. with this, with this cookbook. Yeah. What do you like? Tell me a little bit about what you like about this cookbook. Well, well, I mean, most people have food stamps. And if you have food stamps, I mean, people around here in New Haven, if you have food stamps, you know, they're, they're only going to give you $4 a day. So you have to, you, you know, you have to worry out, worry how to, you know, you have to worry about how, you know, you're going to survive um, on $4 a day. I mean, a lot of times people, first part of the month, they're okay. And then right. towards the middle and towards, especially at the end of the month, they're, they're, nobody has anything left to eat. So, yep. yeah, so this, these are good recipes. Um, they're they're pretty cheap and, and they're filling and they're very nutritious. Yeah. What are some of your favorite recipes? I in like there? the butternut squash and then um, the salsa. Oh, my gosh. Mm. I love, they have a salsa in here with peaches in it. And it's just amazing. Do they use frozen peaches, fresh peaches? Oh, I used fresh peaches yeah. and it was good. <laughs> what else What else is in the salsa? I don't remember now. It's, we'll it's, have to look it up. I have up. to look it up. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember how And so you bring in the year. cookbook and how does your class work that you teach there? How many people well, are everybody, in it? Everybody, we get the cutting boards out. We set it all up and then everybody at different stations do, you know, a lot of people do different things. So we all finish about the same time and then we, you know, everything's mise en place, everything's put, to, everything's together and we just, you know. Check you out with your mise en place had, that you learned I had, at your cooking I school. I had to say it at least once. <laughs> I had to say it at least yes, once. That's, we'll, we'll get into that future <laughs> culinary school <laughs> excitement. So, um, so when you do these cooking classes, um, do you all eat together at the yes. end of class? Yes. Okay. And... Are people in the class in different stages of recovery? Because yes. you're, you're in a center that's helping people recover from mental health, different types yes. of mental health. Um. Yeah, they're like um, around the bend um, uh, as far as the recovery is concerned. Um, okay. They're, they're not like initial because a lot of times. They're not in people, crisis. They're really kind well, of. Some, it, sometimes it takes a while for the, um, for the medication to like filter down and, and for their body to acclimate to it. Right. So that is the point that that's the time where they have to, you know, like kind of like keep it cool until they, you know, work through all that, you know, right. then it, 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 some, you know, it depends on the side effects. Some, some, some um, medications make you sleepy. Some of them, you know, make you, make you stand up and walk, you know, right. Um, some of them make you eat, you know, and um, some of them just make you, you just be tired all the time. So, but but a lot of times it's only for a short period of time and then you know your body you stabilize is fine. a little bit yeah. yeah then after that you're fine but so most of the people that that we deal with for the better with the better eaters club is um those people are over the over past that bend and and they're further along in their recovery process okay and so you're doing cooking classes and then other types of group that are giving people some new skills and kind of getting them nice reconnected skills, yeah. into the community as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing knife skills with them, how mm -hmm. to chop up veggies. And mm -hmm. yeah. Good. And and then um, there's another thing that I'm doing at the um, at the center um, every month. Once a month, I, I offer um, a healthy eating or food transformation movie. And um, um, so I've been doing it for about two years now, once every month. I mean, and it's mainly about awareness. It's not like I'm trying to ram something down your throat. Mm -hmm. I'm not, that's not the point. The point is you need to be aware. You need to, you need to know where you fit at in this whole food system, you know, and, and you, so that you can make the right decisions, you know, this is the decision that you really want to make because you can be doing things and, and you'll be supporting something that you have no idea what you're supporting. Right. So, you know, so I, um, that's what all the, the, the um, and you know, I'm, and everything affects the environment. And if we don't do something pretty soon, you know, our, our environment is going to go to pot. Right. What are some of the movies that have impacted you and that have impacted the clients? Well, I, I start out with that. There's one called fat, sick and nearly dead. That was the that was the the one that people that taught people about how to use um um smoothies, how to drink smoothies and stuff, and and how this guy changed his life, you know, from damn near dying, then <laughs> then you know damn near dying, then um then just you know being healthy and and you know fit running and you know all the things that you know normal fit people do, um and then you know there's there's one I, that I really like called that sugar, um that sugar film. And it just, it, there's just, there's one picture where this guy is sitting there, sitting at, at a table and just taking a spoon of sugar and just eating it mm. and eating it. You know, you, you, there's so much sugar in the food 
that you don't know that that you're really that's what you're really doing. You're eating the sugar like that, but in the food, it's like you're you're eating like so much more than you could just actually, even if you just kept. So they're showing like they're the showing equivalent the, to a bowl of rice or to a soda yeah. or something or a bowl of yeah, cereal. How much sugar? sugar? So he's and just he eating was, straight he sugar. Went, but he really was trying. He was really really eating it, and I was like, ah, <laughs> I, you know. But see, we don't realize we don't realize these things, yeah. you know. So I thought that was a really good picture in my mind. I've never forgotten that picture. And it was, and it's very entertaining and stuff. So there's a list of about 30 movies. And do you feel like those movies have really impacted yeah, I have, the other clients at CMHC? There's some people that they never miss one. They're there. There's like four people. They never miss. They're there every single time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, other people, it depends on their schedule or whatever. But, but um, I, I still offer them every single, every single month. That's great. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM in New Haven. We're streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. And this is The Table Underground. I'm your host, Tegan Engel. And our guest today is Serena Spruill. We're talking about her journey with food, starting with inspiration of being becoming a vegetarian in 1980, all the way up until today, where she's about to graduate from the Natural Gourmet Cooking School in New York City. And she's a lifelong New Haven resident, great grandma, and community cooking educator. So, um, so I know a few years ago when I first met you, uh, you did a very exciting program with City Seed and with Global Local Gourmet and Nadine Nelson called Master Cooks. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what did you learn in that program and how did that help you in teaching cooking? Well, I... I learned that you really can throw things together and it come out tasty. I had no idea that everything would be so good. And, you know, we, you guys gave us a pantry, do some stuff out there and said, here, make something. And we were like, ah. and then I'm like, well, everybody said, well, I know a little bit about this. I know a little bit about that. Hmm. Okay. Let's do this one. And we just did it together as a team. And yeah, and, that's a great exercise. It, yeah, and yeah. It, and it worked. It worked. It really, it really worked. Yeah. So that was a fun exercise where we we put some food on the table, and each person spices, around the table yeah. spices different veggies and ingredients, and and people as a group of like maybe five or six mm-hmm. people yep, together yep. had to kind of invent something. Yeah. So if somebody didn't know what ginger was, somebody else said, "Oh, that's ginger. We can grate it and do this mm-hmm. with it." And someone else said, "Oh." That's a rutabaga. I don't even, right. I've never even heard of a rutabaga. Right, right. What do you that? do with that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and there was always somebody that knew something, right. You know, that was, yeah. that was really, but it was, a, it was a good experience because I mean, we didn't know each other from Adam. I mean, that was, you know, we saw each other in the morning and we were doing stuff and an hour later and, you know, we didn't know anybody, but it, it, by the time it was over, we all, it was very intimate. We were all very, yeah. very connected and enlivened and, and, and just, really really feeling up by the end of the day that's right yeah food is amazing like that right i mean the way i feel like more than almost anything else that i have seen in my life food instantly breaks down barriers yes like it it builds bridges and gets people it just is an equalizer Mm -hmm. you know and people they forget about like oh you have different politics than me you're different race than me or you maybe you're the mayor and i'm the bus driver (laughs) or something (laughs) we're cooking together like it it's really an amazing thing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear that that was really what yeah, impacted I, you. Yeah, I walked out of there feeling really, really good. I mean, I mean that kind of like underlined what I what I really wanted to do next. You know, because I just had a taste of it mm-hmm. and stuff. So you know, yeah. So I, I I started looking into Natural Gourmet Institute again. It was I knew about it a long time ago. Um, back in the early. I would say the end of the seventies, early eighties. I I knew about it, but I didn't have the money. I was a single parent. There was no way in the world I was going to ever be able to go there and do it, do it, and stuff. But finally, my life changed to the point where um, I had the money. I got the money. I and I I had right, the time. You did a GoFundMe page. You yeah. Got, you you worked all the different systems oh to get gosh. grants for this and that and. Yeah, I did. It was so quite many, impressive. I did so many applications for scholarships. It was crazy, and then you know I got one for two thousand five hundred dollars by James Beard. Oh, I love those people, and and you know and they saw in me you know something that I I didn't even realize that I had in myself. You know, yeah. I mean I was reaching out, but I didn't. At the same time, I really didn't think I was going to 
get it, you know? And then when they, I don't understand, wow, 2005, wow, thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah. And I took the money and I used it towards a down payment, yeah. So I, I think um, the GoFundMe was a very, I, again, I really didn't expect to get much and I got like almost $500. And, and all that money went towards the um, down payment and I was so happy to do it. That's exciting. So what what happened that motivated you to finally take that leap to go there? Was it just the timing was finally right or? Yeah, like like I said, my, my, my life finally opened up and I was at a place where I could actually accommodate it. And my also also my job wanted me to do it, too. Mm-hmm. And um and stuff. So they're in support of me doing it, too. So they gave me Wednesdays off. My classes were Wednesday, six to ten and Saturday, nine to six. So on Wednesdays, I didn't, I didn't even have to go to work. I just went straight to school. And that and that really was a blessing, too. To go into the city twice a week and be supported by your job. <laughs> by and taking, my job. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And you, what time do you have to get up on Saturday morning to get there by uh, 9 o'clock? Four, to, 4 o'clock in the morning. Wow. I woke up. I wake up at 4. I leave the house between 4.30, quarter to 5. I get on the 5.39 um, Grand, um, train to Grand Central Station. I get there about 10 of 8. I get walk down to the um, subway and get the number six subway. Mm-hmm. I get off at the third stop, 23rd Street. And then I walk over. I walk about five blocks to get to the school. And then you start a full day of class. Then classes. I start a full day of class. Nine o'clock to six o'clock. Nine to six. And then is, I walk that all is the commitment. way back. Yeah. That is commitment. Yeah. yeah. And every time I see you, you're just smiling. Like it's feeding you. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like giving you it. good stuff. I love it. I yeah. love that school. Tell oh. me, tell me what some of the things you learned there. Like, what what was special about this culinary school versus other culinary well, schools? Well, it's plant based, and and that's you know uh, sustainable. It's you know it's 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 environment environmentally supporting. I mean, and it's it's good for our bodies. It's better for our bodies. And um, some of the I chose that school because of that, but it's non traditional, and it's the way of the future because there's no way that we can continue the way we are now living. And, and we're using up all of our um, all our environmental stuff that we need. We're, we're, we're doing things to the water. We, you know, we're, we're messing with the vegetation. I mean, you know, I mean, we just do all these pesticides and antibiotics and all this crap. We need to just get rid of all of it. You know what I mean? And just get serious about it and move forward. And I, and I think that uh, Natural Gourmet Institute is, is a place of the future. But really, it should be the past. Because this stuff is, you know, a lot of the things that are going on in the food in- industry should have stopped way, way, way back, like when I first found out about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're right to say it's a past because it's ancient wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And we've gotten pretty far away <clears throat> from from the ancient wisdom about how to live together with the earth, how to grow food right, without right. destroying the earth, right. without making ourselves back. sick. Yeah, don't just without keep depleting the sick, everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a plant-based school. This is the Natural Gourmet Cooking, the Natural Gourmet Institute, mm-hmm. Culinary Institute in New York City. And it's a plant-based program, so it's vegetarian and vegan food. And there are some very exciting uh, professional chefs, cookbook authors, and people who've come out of that school. And I know that they um, teach you a lot of stuff about different kinds of grains. And mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a they little bit. They bombard you with everything. Yeah, tell me some. What they were the things that excited all, you? They just throw it all at you. And I, my, I, I really love the millet, you know, <laughs> Um, that's how come uh, for the, the, for the dinner that we just did, um, I, I made the grill, millet croquettes cause I just love millet. I'm, that's like my new baby. Mm. I want to, I want to learn as much as I to do as much as I can with millet, <laughs> but there's all kinds of grains out here. There's all, there's all kinds of greens. There's all kind of, there's all kind of everything, but you don't know because if you know, you just live in this little tunnel Narrow. vision. Yeah. yeah. But there's like so much more out here. So like, you know, they were throwing everything at us. They showed us every single thing. And then they had this like veggie ID, ID and fruit ID exams. And I was like, oh, no, what's that? Oh, no, what's that? Because, you know, there was so much. Yeah. But but we what well, we were exposed to it, you know, which is where, you know, it, you at least have to know that it's around. Right. You know, <laughs> so you started learning all different kinds all of grains, kinds. veggies, fruits. Everything. Things that you'd never seen before. Right, right. And were you cooking most of them? So you yeah. actually got to cook them and taste them? Yeah, yeah. We did a, we did a little bit of stuff with raw, with live foods too. But um, but yeah, we, we it's, it was so much. It's it's yeah. intense. So, so much. They, they cover everything. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed when I met you during the Master Cooks program and then you came out into the community 
to do some cooking classes with me and with Nadine and, and other uh, community cooking teachers is that you felt a little bit insecure. You were sort of shy and not really sure. And we kept saying, you're, you're good. You know how to cook. Like just you're, you're the elder in the group. Just get out there and do your thing. And you were always like, Oh, I don't know. Uh I'm not ready yet. So that's, tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about kind of how did going to cooking school affect you in terms of your confidence and, and what did they do there that sort of impacted you a little bit? Did it, did it help you a little with that? Well, one thing was they just they gave demonstrations, but then at the same time, every single person that was there had to cook. You had to do it. You had to do it yourself, you know, and stuff. And and and, and they're always around, you know, to ask questions. The so teachers. that's what, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if if you have a question about anything, you know, you you just ask, and you know, and and they help you, you know, and you still get to finish it. So at the end, you know, you still did it, you know, and stuff. But they helped you. And and I never had that. I never had. I, I used to be so frustrated. Said, well, part of it is because I, as I was um, growing up, my my mother, like my mother, passed away when I was a year and a half. So I never knew her. So I, I grew up without a mom. I didn't have anybody to, to tell me that I could do something. That I could be, you know, whatever I wanted to do, whatever I needed to. So that was that's that con. That's where that that shyness thing comes back. I I feel like I need to work a little bit harder to get beyond that so I don't feel that way mm. you know I have to I had to learn confidence mm-hmm. you know and and so now I have that foundation now I'm ready at this point I, this is a clear level feel for me and now from now I'm ready to branch out mm-hmm. and do what I need to do mm, that's great it makes me think a little bit about your experience at CMHC also and did becoming a peer support person there also impact your your confidence yeah 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 because um <laughs> i i started out like i said as a client um and then i found out that there were a few trainings that they they were offering um and i took advantage of the trainings and um and then a position pulled you know opened up and i was able to you know grab onto that and run with it and, mm-hmm. and i have i have since then i have been doing that mm. that's great that's great um and when you were a client at CMHC, you were, what were you struggling with then? And, and kind of how, how did your recovery into becoming a peer ed- educator, a peer, peer support person work? Well, when I, when I first um, went to uh, CMHC, um, I was depressed. Um, it was, it was depression initially. Um, I had to take like, I had like, I had to take a lot of different kind of medications until I found the right one. Um, and in, during that, that time, I think I had about maybe about eight um, breakdowns, mini breakdowns or whatever. But I, I never, was never quite right until I found Clozerol. Clozerol came along. I took it and it immediately took my voices away. And then I was able to begin work on my recovery. Mm. And so that's what I did. You know, I was told by somebody that how do you know? Because I said, like, how do I know that I actually have mental illness? And then somebody said um, it told me, no, she, if you just have one breakdown, you don't have mental illness. If you have two breakdowns, you might have something going on. But if you have three breakdowns or more, then you have mental illness and you need to do something about it. Mm. And I remembered that. And so that's what I did. The first time I went to CMAC, I, I didn't, I, I heard what they said and I still went back home. Second time, you know, I was like, hmm, I don't know, something's, something's going on here. Hmm, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not, I didn't do anything because I wasn't sure. But then with that last, that last breakdown, it's like, okay, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. And I did. Then I started to work with them. Then I started taking the pills and stuff. Um, um, but, you know, I, um, I, I really wanted to help do away with all the stigma because a lot of people with mental illness go on to have wonderful, wonderful lives. And, and um, we, I just want to erase all the stigma out there any way that I can. And was that your desire to erase the stigma? Was that part of wanting to stay there and become a peer support person I, because you I, felt like you could kind of show people, look, yeah. I, I went through recovery. Yeah, and- yeah there's, some, there's a lot of people um, in, in the system, um, friends, very, a lot of friends of mine, um, that kind of like look up to me and stuff because they feel like I'm high-functioning. But I feel that I'm just a little further along in my recovery process than they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I just want to let them know what works for me mm-hmm. and help them find things that will work for them. But, and, and just let them know that it is possible to have a really, really good life and have mental illness. Mm-hmm. 
the more you talk, the more I hear that there's like this part inside you that's kind of driving you that you feel really connected to yes. who you are and what you love in the world yes. and that you deserve to do the things that make you happy. Yes. And not everybody has that. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of curious, where do you think that that comes from in you? I don't know. I had experience um, with this um, African saint called um, Bambi Baba. Mm-hmm. And I think my interaction with him um, enlightened me up to a certain point. And, and I've never been the same after. I, 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 feel, I, I feel a connection um, to my higher power that I didn't feel before I met him. Mm. And I think that's part of it. This was an African priest that you Afri- met? It's an African saint. A saint? From Uganda. Okay. His name is Bambi Baba. Mm. And, and so I think that, I think that, that, that energy exchange that we had um, has something to do with mm. what you just said about me. Yes. Did you, ha- were you, did you participate in a ceremony with him or was there like no, a divination no, I, or some other? No, I shared some, some time with him in the, well, because every, um, they call it Kigwa. A lot of the, people um that are always around him um are they were living in in fairfax virginia and they went down there and spent i met him down there and spent some time um with them for a little while um that was right around the time when my um mental illness surfaced so i ended up coming back to new haven and you know dealing with all this stuff um and then they moved back to uganda but they were over here for a little while and i i met i had i had a lot of time um spent with him and um, we would have discourses and stuff, and we used to just, you know, listen to him talk, and he would ask questions and explain things to us in a way that I, I could never even begin to tell you how he, mm. how eloquent he was when he was be explained. He would explain things to you so simple if you didn't get it, something was wrong. Right, <laughs> something was wrong with you. But you know, I think that 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 was where you that comes from. What you just said mm-hmm. about me, yeah, that that connection is. So that time you spent with him, you kind of started to get in touch with that yes. spirit inside yourself inside and connect my- to something larger yes. than yourself also. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yes. And so you were, exp- you said you were experiencing some mental illness when you were there with him. Yes. And, you know, sometimes in African tradition, various African traditions, um, and even in the diaspora, people, um, are possessed. So I, I'm also participate in the Yoruba tradition. My husband is a priest in that tradition. So that's, that's why I'm you asking know. you about okay, this a little good. bit. I've, yeah, go ahead. I've spent a lot, I've spent some time in West Africa and um, it's been in my life for, since I was a teenager. So um, I didn't even know any of this about you. So I'm very, I'm very, it's, <laughs> it's really, you know, very beautiful that this, this showed up. But, um, you know, sometimes in some African traditions, people ha- become possessed yes and that's that's a very real and very normal part of um of those traditions and then people sometimes hear voices or things and so i'm curious if when you started experiencing schizophrenia and mental illness in the presence of what sounds like a very learned um elder in in the ugandan tradition did did he at first kind of relate that more to the spiritual tradition or what, what was that experience? Yeah, he told me, he said, I'm not, cra-. he told me I wasn't crazy. You know, <laughs> he told me that. Mm. Um, I remember hearing the word Kundalini a lot mm-hmm. um, and stuff. He said, that's just a Kundalini. That's all it is. Um, but you know, yeah, but there was this, this entity inside me um, that was beside me mm. inside um, that was trying to take over. And I had to fight it mm. at the same time. So now, even now, it's like we've come to a thing where it's okay. You know, it's like. Yeah. yeah. There's that line it's between what's kind of normal and, and works for you in a spiritual way. And then what you need to deal with in well, terms of your mental health and functioning. There's another personality in there mm. with me. that it's mm. a, There's a male energy inside mm. me that is like. Um, we work together now. I mean, but I've, I'm, I've been, this is my normal. That's right. This is my normal. That's right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful because I think that struggle between, um, figuring out how to function, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's the, the spiritual kind of person, what you're describing as the personality piece. Some people might say is like the spiritual energies. Yes. And then, um, also what you have to do to function in society and to feel sane. And so Mm -hmm. the balance between, both the medication that's helped you be stable that's it. and 
kind of coming to peace with who, I who am. you are who and I all the different parts of you. Yes. Even you when it doesn't fit yourself. in, right? Yeah, you have to learn yourself. <laughs> you have to know yourself. You have to learn yourself. Like the great grandma who went to vegan cooking school in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, um, let me just identify our station one more time. And then I want to hear some more about cooking school in New York City. So you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM in New Haven. We're streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. And this is The Table Underground. I'm your host, Tegan Engel. And we are here speaking with Miss Serena Spruill. So, that jumping back to today, <laughs> just maybe a week or two ago, I you invited me to come to New York City for your final dinner at the Natural Gourmet Culinary School, and it was delicious and beautiful. So, I want to hear a little bit about how did you guys plan. This dinner. This was your class, right? Your your cohort that you moved through the whole culinary program with, yes. correct? So how did you plan this dinner? Oh my gosh, it was a lot of work. Um, first of all, we had to come up with the menu, with the theme. Mm-hmm. Then we came up with the uh, uh, the menu items, all the different menu. Um, we we figured out we would have um, an, an an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert, um, and we try to figure out what we wanted for those. And, and so each, everybody, you know, says, well, I think I like this and I like that. And you know, so we listed it all up. Um, once we, once we um, found, figured out what the menu was going to be, then we had to um, do the costing. I mean, cost oh, it nice. out. We had to cost it out. We had to do the requisition. Um, and, oh my God. So when you we were had costing test- it out, did it have to be like 33% of, I mean, were you just kind of pricing it so you knew what it was going to cost? Well, or they, were you learning how to do this if you were going to run a restaurant? We had to, we had to do the exercise because we couldn't go over $10 per person. Okay. So we did it. We, we did that until, and we, we were lucky. The stuff that we picked out came to under 10 bucks. So we were, we were happy about that. But then we had the requisition. Then we had to um, practice. Um, and then we had to tweak, tweak the, um, you know, tweak the um, menu to make sure that, you know, everything that we had on there was right. You know, of course, you have to have the color. You have to have the texture. You have to have um, um, all the different, you want to have different vitamins and different, all different, everything has to be in there, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, we had to do that. Um, and, and it was work, but that part of it, I think, was good. But the, the hard, I think the hard part, um, I think the hard part was just doing it because it was a lot we we did stuff from everything from scratch right so we you know with the raviolis and the um and the in the filling and all that everything was scratch 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 so everybody worked really hard and we i remember for me i had to make 245 um milli croquettes i'll never forget that number 245 (laughs) (laughs) so this was, was let me just describe a little this was the first course it was a carpaccio, which is like usually referred to for a raw meat or fish dish. But because this was a vegan meal, it was a carpaccio of different radishes, turnips, different. It was like a gorgeous rainbow of, of very, very thinly sliced vegetables on the plate. And then you had the millet croquettes that you made. Yeah. And then a what you guys called a porcini bacon, which was a porcini mushroom that had mm-hmm. been... Baked. roasted so it was chewy and very, it was sliced very very thin like a as thin as a slice of bacon, bacon would be yeah. um and then there was a some kind of creamy sauce and herbs on it right like kind of dabbed around mm-hmm. so it was plated really beautifully and the millet croquettes i have to say were my favorite part yeah. of that meal so i want to hear what did you put in your millet croquettes oh my croquettes? gosh she has me that now Oh, my gosh. Even if you don't remember all of it, just what were a few things. Oh, my gosh. These were small. They were about the size. Yeah, not even two inches. They were delicate and they were very flavorful. Yeah. Oh, I I don't remember what I did. You just make it. Did you just make it up? No, I didn't make it up. I I did it from a recipe or whatever, but I I just I just can't remember. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) they were beautiful. They maybe had some turmeric or something in them. They were a little yellow and some onion, but they were very tasty. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I made so many. <laughs> 245, that was the important part. Uh, and then the next course, was the ravioli the next course? Uh-huh. I think it was a squash ravioli, yeah, right? Yeah. And what kombucha, was... Kombucha. A kombucha squash, kombucha squash ravioli. And there was... was the white bean sauce? Yes, there was a white bean I sauce made, that I you made. So tell sauce. us, what do you remember about that? Anything? <laughs> 
No, all I know is um everything got put together and, and it just it was quick. That one didn't take that much time. So energy. did you pick the recipe for that and then you so the the thing that you picked for the menu you got to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you people yeah, said we're going to make squash and you said they wanted to make the squash, they made the squash. I okay. said I want to do the cruise hair. I want to do the green sauce. And so I did those too. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, when I read it on the menu, I thought, oh, white bean sauce. Like, I pictured beans. But this was not what you would imagine. It was, like, pureed. It was thin, delicate. I think it had some thyme in it and pepper and other things. So it it was sort of just looked like a white, creamy sauce, Mm -hmm. almost what you'd imagine as, like, a bechamel cream sauce from a, you know, a regular (laughs) Italian restaurant. But it was made with white bean, and it was very delicate. And then you had, there was, like, very finely diced um, I think some sweet potato and something pink, maybe a some sort of like a pink beet or not like a bright red beet, but a lighter it was a color beet. Yeah, it was a, that was um that was the first time I had ever seen that beet, and I don't remember what they called it, but that was beautiful. It was really beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then we had the dessert course, which was a panna cotta, and I don't recall. Do you remember what kind of panna cotta it was? The panna cotta is usually it was all is I know, a milk. All I remember about that was it was um it, we had to strain it and strain it and strain it and strain it and strain it. Was it coconut milk or almond milk? Probably coconut. Coconut milk. Yeah, I think it was maybe coconut and My saffron. My friend Keisha made that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. So it's a like a a pudding basically. Yes, you put it and, in a little ramekin. Yeah. And so this one was made with coconut milk and maybe thickened with agar agar maybe or kuzu, with kuzu. Okay. Probably. And then you made, they made some little chocolates. Those were, um, pumpkin seed, maybe. Um, ginger. They were, those were the truffles. Yeah. There were little truffles truffles and and edible flowers. Yeah. And then, and then there were, um, tools. Oh, the twill. Yeah. Yeah, The twill cookie that was maybe ginger and some other spices. Yeah. 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 It was really delicious. It was very special and it's really beautiful. The The space, is that the room where they had the dinner? Was that the kitchen that you guys usually cook in? Yeah, there are three kitchens and they are every Friday night. They transform those two, they transform those two kitchens into that, what you saw. Yeah. This nice fine dining with the, you know, white linen tablecloths and um, little sparkly lights around the yeah, lights. hanging it's over. Beautiful. They do it every Friday yeah, night. It was really, really nice. They had long tables Really nicely decorated, printed menus. Yes. It was really special. Yeah. So if anyone is in New York City on a Friday night, how much was it? $45, I think. Yes. $45 for a three-course vegan, very nicely prepared meal. And you get to support some students with their final project and eat in a beautiful setting. It's mm-hmm. on 21st Street uh, around 6th Avenue. 40, yeah. 48 West 21st Yeah. Street. In New York City. So that was really special. And... What was your experience with the other students? You mentioned your friend. Oh, well, you know, we all we all know each other so well now. I mean, we've been cooking together for 11 months, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and um, now, you know, we just it's like a it just happens, you know. Yeah, that's great. Everything's just like goes like clockwork now. That's great. So you're about to graduate really soon. <laughs> yay. <laughs> Congratulations. Yay, yay. It's really momentous. And um, I'm curious, what what are you thinking of doing next? Like, you've had this transformation of, I when I saw you, I experienced so much more confidence that you had in yourself. I just couldn't believe wow. it. It was beautiful. I told you when I wow. saw you at the dinner. <laughs> and I said, wow, they did something just right here. So, um, but I was so happy for you. And I'm curious, what what are you thinking of doing now? All right. First off, I want to give back. I want to um, give some cooking classes uh, to the people that have mental illness to start off with. Um, um, and also I would like to do some um, at for fellowship place, which is another place ex- um, exactly like pretty much like um, CMHC. And from then uh, from there, I just want to branch out into the community. I want to have um, and um, I want to have a cooking class for each age group. I want to start with children between like eight to 12. And then I want to have teenagers then I want to have young adults and I want to have older people. Mm. And that's it. That's what I want to do. Lots of cooking classes. Lots of cooking classes. Yeah. And at some point, had them come to me. I'll go to them for a while. And then after a while, hopefully I'll get set up some, in a um, place that, um, that I can have people come to me. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Maybe a little bit of catering here and there. But, yeah. You no, know, I don't want to, you know, I want to mainly, I just want to teach. And what are you feeling inspired to teach? Well, basic, basic life skills. I mean, 
let people learn how to how to really really shop how to store how to build their pantries how to you know how to how to cook healthy and be and be healthy Mm -hmm. and as part of your learning at the cooking school did you learn about kind of food that support people's mental health or their health, like medicinal foods. Did you learn a little bit about that? Yes, we did. We had a class in medicinal um, medicinal foods. And um, I want to do that for the people that have mental illness. I want to do some stuff with them, with the foods that they need, you know, um, to make them be the best they can be. Um, Right now I'm going to be doing um, um, my, I have to do a hundred hour um, internship and I'm going to be doing it with um, a chef called, um, um, Ann Gallagher, and um, she's doing some very good work with people that have cancer, doing cooking classes for people that have cancer. I'm, I'm going to be tagging along with her That's with great. that, so I'm going to get that under my belt. And, yeah, I want everybody to get the food that they need to, to, so that they can be the best that they can be. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What are some of the medicinal foods that, I mean, I know that's you could study that for your entire life, yeah. right? But I'm just curious, what, what are a few of the things that you learned that, that you're trying to pass on to people. Anything? <laughs> um, one thing that that I well, what I thought you might say was um, turmeric, and mm. that turmeric is a an anti-inflammatory um, thing. And a lot of people have been really into eating turmeric these days, whether it's fresh or or powdered. So that's a fun one. Always being having less inflammation is good for yeah, everybody's yeah, health. Yeah, and then so. there's always ginger. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so much out there. Yeah, that's there's great. You're going to so learn much. a lot working with yeah. Anne. She's wonderful. Yeah, it's she's, exactly what I need. She right has now. a catering company and and um, and she does all this work with the hospital. So that's really yes. beautiful. That's great. Well, I wish you so much luck and so many blessings. And um, I'm I'm so grateful that you joined me for this first show of the Table Underground. And I know you said earlier that you felt like you're blessings were coming to you yes and i can see that it's just beautiful and i'm so happy for you about what what lies ahead Mm -hmm. it's really exciting thank you yeah thank you so much this has been the first episode of the the table underground i'm your host tegan engel and this is wnhhlp 103.5 fm in new haven streaming live at newhavenindependent.org and thank you for joining us